0: To the house of the Lord, if you'll please open with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're going to finish up chapter 3 today. Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to begin with verse 17. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk as you have for us a pattern. From any walk of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, That They are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose uh, end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their name, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship, citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even to subdue all things to himself. You may be seated this morning. So last week we uh, looked at um, how you and I need to strive uh, to uh, be more like Christ in our daily lives, and our decisions, and our words that we speak, and um, everything that we do every day. We should be striving to be more Christ-like Uh, In our lives, Uh, we should be seeking him daily to help us and guide us uh, as we're making decisions um, and walking and navigating life. Uh, We talked a little bit about sanctification and how that is an ongoing process, that progressive sanctification where daily we are conformed to the image of Christ and that God's ultimate goal for each one of us is uh, he predestined for us to be made in the image of his son. Uh, to be conformed to the image of his son, for us to be more and more like Christ. And then obviously eventually that coming to full fruition when we are called up to heaven and we stand uh, in his presence and God gives us that new body and that all of this old stuff that weights us down, uh, that'll all be uh, done away with. And we will now be prepared to spend eternity in heaven. And so now Paul is going to uh, continue here in chapter 3, and he's going to talk about uh, some false prophets again uh, that are, you know, and and some of the things that were being taught and some of the things that were, uh, you know, believed uh, by those who were around the Philippian church. Uh, First he says, uh, Join and follow my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Paul is saying, listen, as you look around and you see people uh, who are uh, not uh, living according to what uh, the, uh, the word that has been preached. The gospel that has been taught, this idea that you and I are to be more Christ-like, to be sanctified daily, that we are to have control over our actions, that we are responsible for our actions, and that we are to walk according to the spirit and not according to flat, to the flesh, as he Paul writes about in the book of Romans, that uh, as we're navigating this life and we're walking out this life, you know, if you see people uh, who are not doing or living this way, Don't follow their example, but follow my example. And not just by example, but there are others, he says, as well, who pattern for you the life uh, as you uh, walk in your relationship with Christ that you and I both are supposed to live, right? That are patterning for you how you are supposed to walk. He's saying don't focus on those who are living contrary to what we've, what you've been taught and what you've been preached. Don't focus on the Judaizers, which he had talked about earlier, Philippians, right? Those who are trying to convince the Gentiles that they had to be uh, you know, proselytized, they had to be circumcised, they had to obey the law and all the things that came along with it. Uh, that um, don't believe them, don't pay attention to them. Look at my example and the example of others who are walking in the right way. Paul was not perfect. and The others that he's referring to, of course, are not perfect. He's, you know, there were folks like Timothy. Uh, that they could look to, right? I'm sure there were others in their local body that they could look to who were who were walking daily to be more Christ-like. Not that they were perfect, but they were not falling prey to the deceptions uh, of the uh, uh, these uh, sects of, uh, of Gentiles and Jews who were trying to dissuade them from following after Christ. And I would encourage every one of us, I think that is a lesson that we can apply to our own lives, is to... Not be distracted by who's not, but to focus our eyes on who are. Right? So not make excuses and say, well, brother so-and-so isn't doing it or sister so-and-so keeps doing this and that's not right. So making it an excuse for us to uh, you know, live uh, in a way that is not honoring and make decisions that are not honoring because somebody else is doing it. And if it's okay for them, it's guess it's okay for me. That's not how it works, right? Uh, we are to be Christ-like. It's not optional. And uh, Just because someone else uh, is not living that way doesn't make it right. In fact, it makes them wrong because anything that is uh, that is in direct opposition to living that life of Christ-likeness, being humble, being obedient, right, uh, serving uh, our Father in heaven, serving God, right, loving him, anything that, uh, that is opposite of that, we are to ignore and not follow. Uh, and so we are to look to those who are living, Right in a way that that is appropriate, that are walking with Christ, right? Who are not dissuaded uh, and not persuaded by the uh, uh, world around us and 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 fellows around us who are uh, preaching a different gospel or or uh, even uh, just twisting the gospel uh, as 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 it has been presented. Right? We need to be looking at their example. How are they handling material things? How are they handling the choices that they make? How are they handling trouble? How are they handling pain? How are they handling strife, right? Let them be an example. Christ, of course, is our ultimate example. But God has placed mature believers uh, within the body of Christ, and I'm sure within your life. I know he has done the same in my life for to be an encouragement to show me how it's done, Right? Um, And those who are more mature, we have a responsibility to help those who are struggling, not to just cast them aside, not to just say, you know, hey, they're immature, but to help them, to encourage them, to mentor them. Listen, we all need a mentor in Christ, someone that will love us and encourage us, someone that will help us develop. Right. Now, uh, obviously, we don't make them an idol in our lives. Right. We don't make them the be all end all of our relationship with Christ. Right. So that if they were to fall away or make a mistake, it doesn't destroy our foundation of Christ. Right. Uh, No one or no thing is to be in front of God. But we could all use a good mentor who can love us and encourage us. And when we're struggling, help us to see the, the, the way things, the the things the way that God sees them. Why? Because they've been there. They've done that. They're walking it out, right? Maybe even they've made the same mistake right? They've made the same mistake. They've messed up. And so they are a someone who can take us by the hand and guide us and direct us and love on us and encourage us and help us as we are walking that daily uh, activity of walking in the spirit and being progressively sanctified to be more like Christ. So think about that uh, today. Think about that through this week. Do you have someone or or people in your life that are mature believers that, uh, that you can uh, follow and pattern your life after as they navigate this world, right? One of the things that's scary in the church is we got a lot of immature believers following other immature believers, Amen. right? And that's why, uh, you know, discipleship is not really something that has, that is being encouraged in churches. It's about how you feel and the, your experience and that sort of thing, and people are not being discipled uh, so that they can uh, grow in their relationship with God and mature. You know, Paul tells us that you know uh, we can't just live on milk forever. Eventually, we got to get to meat, right? Uh, that we gotta, we can't just uh, drink milk, and so he want we got to grow up, right? We got to mature in our relationship with Christ and be discipled, right? So that eventually you and I can help somebody else, lead somebody else, mentor somebody else, right? And so, uh, you know, we are all at stages in our lives. No matter how mature you think that you are, it, it is always good to have an example of someone who will keep you moving forward and making, encourage you to make those hard decisions as you follow and I follow after Christ. So look for somebody that you can pattern your life off of, off of. Verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now Paul is stressing again here as he did earlier in Philippians and as he does again in his other letters about false prophets, false teachers who are coming in and they are preaching a gospel. And I will tell you, that the uh, Greek uh, word wording that he is using here to express this thought seems to indicate that he's actually not talking about people. These people would say they believe Jesus is God. These people would say they believe that salvation is by faith alone. These people would uh, seem to agree with everything uh, that Paul had taught Excepted to some very key areas, one of which, of course, is the Judaizers, which we talked about earlier in this chapter, who were trying to force Gentiles to be circumcised and who were trying to force Gentiles to follow the law, right? They would be one group of, of people that were leading folks astray if you ask them they'd say they believed in Jesus that his death that his resurrection and God, the salvation through faith but then they were heaping on these other extra things that had to, you know that they expected to be done by the Gentiles and then you had another group of people uh, who lived their this life and these were most likely these were Gentiles uh, who would again acknowledge all of the basic tenets of the faith like that they would tell you we believe in Jesus. Right? We believe he died. We believe he's our savior. We believe these things. Salvation through faith alone. Oh, by the way, we also believe, and this was something prevalent that would eventually uh, become well known within the early church, was a group of people who what they said was, is that your body and your spirit were separate. And so they were so separate that you could live however you wanted to in the flesh and it would not affect your spirit. So once you were forgiven, Christ, you had accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. That you could live in whatever debauchery you wanted to because your spirit was saved. Paul is saying to these groups of people, you don't be dissuaded by them and the way they're living lives. Don't let them convince you that you need to be circumcised to obey the law. But also don't let them convince you that it's okay to live however you want. You're saved. You're good to go. You've got your body, your flesh, and then you've got your spirit. And because they're separate, your spirit's sanctified. Your flesh is going to do whatever it wants. And so go ahead and fulfill every gluttonous, evil desire that you have because it does not affect your salvation. It does not affect that your spirit has been redeemed. And, of course, we know that is exactly the opposite of what Paul has told us here in Philippians chapter 3 so far, right, that that we are to, again, uh, be Christ-like we are to be Christ-minded, and we are to be, uh, to be conformed to the image of his Son, and so that we're not to be deceived. And, and today, anyone that preaches a gospel that does not line up with what, uh, what is taught by the Bible, that is proclaimed within the Word of God, no matter what they say, listen, they may tell you they have a revelation. Anyone tells you they have a revelation, but it does not line up with Scripture, you ignore them. Right? Uh, anyone tells you that God's given them something new as it relates to how you can live your life and how salvation uh, plays out in someone's life, they're wrong if it does not line up with Scripture. Everything that you and I need to be saved is found here in the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who convicts our hearts. In addition, we should never allow anyone to convince us that once you're saved, you're good to go, and you can live however you want to live your life, right? Because uh, whether you believe, or no matter what you believe, the bottom line is, Is that when you and I accept Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, we will want to be obedient to him. We will be driven to love him and follow after him and seek him. If we're not, if our life is characterized by sin, then we need to step back and go, maybe there's something wrong. Our lives are not to be characterized by sin. They should be characterized uh, by humility and obedience to Christ. Right, and so Paul says, "Listen, they break my heart. They make me cry." uh, Right, that these folks are going around and they're trying to deceive. Because here's the thing: this is what the devil does uh, is he's a counterfeit. Right, he likes to counterfeit things, Uh, and so he will. And so, what the devil will do here is he'll send people with a message that sounds about right. And then once you get in and you're you're visiting with them and you're listening to them talk and preach or you're uh, uh, getting to know them, right? And once you've built a relationship with them, all of a sudden they start dropping in the little extra things. Uh, The things, so once you've built a rapport and once you've built a relationship and once you believe that they believe what you believe and what the word says, then they'll start introducing things that are contrary to God's word into Uh, into their conversations with you, into the teaching that they're providing, into the way that they live their lives. Why? Building on that personal connection they have with you and the fact that you establish common ground on the cross of Christ, right? His death, his resurrection, that by faith alone we're saved. But then all of a sudden, once you have that connection, they start introducing these things that have nothing to do with salvation, that are contrary to the word of God. And that is how people are deceived. These are people that know what they're doing. The enemy knows what he's doing. He knows how to use people. He knows how to manipulate people. So beware if someone comes into your life and... They're saying all the right things, and they're doing all the right things, and then all of a sudden, one day, they start to bring up stuff that you know is contrary to Scripture that should make the light bulb go off, and you go, hmm, maybe I need to start rethinking this, you know, and and, and it becomes a time to maybe uh, separate yourself from that relationship. The same thing, same thing applies to any church that you visit. The same thing applies to any uh, teacher or preacher that you listen to teach or preach. If they ever, no matter how right, they may be right 99% of the time. But if they preach a gospel that is contrary, that Jesus Christ died, was crucified, that rose again, that salvation is by faith alone, and that you and I are to walk in obedience to Christ, right? And work out our salvation, as Paul said, with fear and trembling as we strive to be Christ-like. If it's anything opposite of that, even if it deviates, deviates just a little bit, there's a problem. Now listen, let me tell you, uh, there are parts of Scripture that uh, can, are, are left up to interpretation. People have different interpretations for, right? And I'm not telling you that I'm infallible because I am fallible and I do make mistakes and I've made mistakes over my life and I have changed some of my views as I've studied and walked out this life and become more mature in and, and my relationship with Christ. So please understand, I'm not saying that people don't miss, make mistakes or they don't misspeak, right? Uh, or they cannot change their, um, you know, their views based on the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. But what I am telling you is that you'll know false prophets when they come in. And they will present to you what appears to be a whole truth, or a whole gospel. And then they will slide in. The little bit that corrupts it—it's like uh, when Jesus was talking about sin, and He said a little leaven ruins the whole bread. Right? A little bit of false teaching will ruin everything else. Right? Because once they get us to accept a little bit, we will begin. They can begin to go beyond, spoon feed us more and more and more and more for tickling ears. Who doesn't want to be told that they can live however they want to live and still go to heaven? Who doesn't want to be told that God is love and he would never send anyone to hell? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to be told those things? Who doesn't, right? Everyone wants to have their decisions affirmed. Right? right? They all want to have be patted on the head. And we live in a, a day and age of participation trophies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where you pat everyone on the head and you tell them, good job, no matter how bad it is. We don't offer any kind of constructive criticism to help people get better. When you do, you're mean and you're angry and you're triggering them, right? Uh, you're not accepting their truth. But here's the, the fact of the matter is, is that road to heaven is narrow. Uh, and uh, God, it's not Jesus Christ is the only way, the, you know, the way, the truth, the life. We don't make it there uh, except for him. Uh, and uh, so if anyone preaches something different than that, they're wrong and they're hurting the body of Christ. Uh, it may make Their gospel may, may make us feel good. Their, their, what they preach may make us feel good. I mean, I, I know someone who knows better, who, who, who came to church and went to church faithfully. Uh, but then when uh, they started making decisions and things in their life to please themselves, and it did not go along with the word, and they were confronted, the person said, well, uh, that may be your truth, uh, but I have my truth. And of course, truth is not subjective. Uh, truth is absolute. Um, Right. Truth doesn't change. Uh, The minute that you allow truth to change, you have to accept all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. If there's no objective standard, then we have a problem because I can tell you, well, my truth is to murder babies. You can't you you can't tell me that I'm wrong because you believe that truth is subjective. Mm -hmm. I can tell you my truth. Right. Is to go out and harm children. That's my truth. Uh, But uh, that doesn't make it right. Just because it's my truth doesn't make it the truth. And the bottom line is, the truth, the truth is whatever God's word is on a particular subject, right? If God says it, that's the truth, no matter what anybody else says or how they feel, right? Right? So that's what we got to be aware of. So watch out for people who we got to watch out for people who pat us on the head and affirm us all the time, because if that's happening, something's wrong. Because I got to tell you, I make mistakes. I still make mistakes, right? I still need help. I need still need someone to correct me every once in a while, right? I still, as long as we're on this earth and we're not perfect, we need to be corrected. Yeah. And we got to be open to that correction, right? When I was a kid in school and I did a math problem wrong and I said two plus two is five, I got a big red line through it or X marked wrong and told, nope, that's not the answer. Figure out the right answer. Here's how you do it, right? It, you, there was no participation grades. You got a, you got a A, B, C, D, or F, yep. right? Uh, and and even back then, you didn't get to make up work if you got an F. Well, you better do better next time, That's right? right? <clears throat> you know, uh, we didn't get to make up assignments, right? Uh, we, you, it, it, there was no coddling you, mm-hmm. right? And, and same thing in sports, right? I remember when my boys were doing sports. Uh, and they were doing the rec league, and it was different than when they did the school league. In the rec league, it was everyone got playing time, and everybody, uh, you know, got to participate, and you got your time to get in there and play, Uh, uh, and the coaches were kind and nice, and, you know, they grabbed you a little bit, but, you know, it was all about uh, a positive image and keeping people, you know, uh, encouraging the boys. But when my son went to middle school and he started playing football in middle school and he learned that that, uh, not everybody got a pat on the head and not everybody got the play and there was a team A and a team B, right? And not everybody got a turn that if you didn't practice and if you didn't work hard and if you stumped or didn't, you know, and you stumped, you didn't get on the the field. That's just the way it was, right? So you were either challenged, get better or quit, right? And here's the thing, Uh, many times, they would be challenged. You might have someone quit, but most of the boys and girls are challenged to get better. They wanna make the team. They wanna get better. They wanna participate. It's a victory for them, and so they work harder, many times harder than all the super talented folks that it comes just you know uh, naturally to. And that's what we got to do in our Christian life. We got to be challenged and want to grow in our relationship with Christ. And when we mess up and when someone comes in and loves on us and corrects us or the Word of God corrects us, let's accept it. Let's accept it in the way that it's meant and let's change. That's what it's about. Don't be deceived. Verse 19, who, whose end is destruction. So anyone who believes a gospel, teaches a gospel, whether it was the Judaizers, Or whether it was the Gentiles who were saying, hey, fulfill the flesh all you want to. You're good to go. Their ultimate end is destruction. So they can say with their mouths how much they believe Jesus is God, how much he died on the cross, how much they believe he rose from the dead, how much they believe salvation is by faith alone. But that when they go beyond that and their teaching and their understanding, their end is destruction. They ain't saved. Right, if they're teaching and drawing, uh, leading people astray, if they are teaching people people deliberately a gospel that is not true, then their end is destruction. We need to pray for them that God will correct them, that God will have mercy on them, and 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 send, uh, change the direction of their life and their thinking. But you and I are not to be deceived by them. We need to understand that they are headed for hell. Right, they're not just because they say they believe believe it doesn't mean that they believe it in our Christians. He says, whose God is their belly? Uh, This is interesting because it could be talking about the Judaisers, who, again, they uh, were all about their lull and what they ate and keeping kosher, right? And making sure that they followed that strict diet and all of that jazz. And so they, you know, they felt sanctified and righteous by that but then also, the, the, again, you've got that worldly perspective where you're just satisfying whatever the body wants, right? Chasing whatever you need, right? Or fill that you need, excuse me. Chasing whatever you want uh, to get pleasure, to get fulfillment, being led by your belly, right? Uh, when I go to a buffet, brother is led by his belly, right? I go in, I was hungry, right? I, I do a good pass around to see what's up there, Right, and then I go and I commit gluttony, right? Uh, you know, I'm thinking, wow, that looks really delicious. That you know, I'm hungry. That's why I stay away from buffets, right? Uh, I stay away from them because there's a temptation to me. Um, but you know what I'm saying, right? You go in and you are led, and and, and you uh, you feel like you have to have something that meets a need, and then you go and you chase your belly. Well, that's what these people were doing. Chase every desire. It's okay. It makes you feel good. You know, do whatever you want as long as it makes you feel good. You're saved. It's okay. You're going to make it to heaven. You've checked that box. So go enjoy life, right? Go go uh, participate and have sex outside of marriage and have improper relationships, right? Go uh, and, and uh, you know, steal of money and chase material things and, you know, put things in front of God. Go fulfill all of those desires and lusts because you're okay. Well, that's what it means when he's saying, that they're led by their belly. Just hungry, uh, grotesque, stuffing oneself with all the fleshly things to fulfill someone, right? So don't be deceived by someone. Know that when they are teaching that gospel and they're living that way, they're not living according to the gospel of Christ. When they're teaching, their, that, that that is a falsehood and a lie. So he says, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame. Meaning they are making a a, a mockery of themselves. They're making a mockery uh, of, of, uh, you know, what they're teaching. It is bringing and heaping shame upon them, right? Uh, And and, and, and causing, you know, uh, folks to uh, be led astray just continues to heap uh, shame and guilt uh, on them. Uh, And I believe uh, people who lead folks astray, they're going to be held responsible in heaven. If anyone promotes themselves as a leader, a teacher, a preacher, right? They're going to have some accountability in heaven. I know, I'll be honest with you. I've spent a lot of my life preaching and teaching and I've made some mistakes that I wished I could go back to people and correct. I've had to ask God to forgive me. Right, Have mercy on me when I made those mistakes. And I wish I could go back and fix them and that's not possible, right? But uh, it's scary to think that I may have led someone astray at some point and now someday I'm gonna stand before God. As a leader, as a teacher, when you and I accept that mantle to mentor something, someone, right? To lead someone, we are now accepting a level of responsibility, Right? Uh, with that person, and we need to take it sincerely, right? We gotta be sincere, we gotta take it seriously uh, when we are preaching and teaching uh, and, and mentoring someone uh, in our lives that we are not heaping on shame, right? That we are that we are uh, uh, being obedient and, and teaching them the truth. Who set their mind on earthly things, again, someone who is only focused on the material stuff in this world, right? Someone who is only focused on getting what they can here, this person is jealous and covetous, right? Uh, always wanting what somebody else has, always wanting what they don't have, thinking, well, if I just had this, I'd be okay. Someone who's very materialistic, right? Who, who, uh, who, who puts their idol is all the physical things of this, of the earth has to offer, the world has to offer right this flesh has to offer and chasing all of those things and making them number 1 in our lives right and and Paul says these people people whose lives are characterized by these things their end is destruction right they are no matter what they say with their mouths if their lives are characterized by you know their god being their belly right who are leading people astray uh, who are chasing after earthly things Uh, And and putting up idols in their lives, their end is destruction. No matter what they say with their mouths, their relationship with Christ has got to be questioned. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because here's what it all boils down to. Nothing on this earth is worth giving up our citizenship in heaven. So we don't want to be led by our bellies. We don't want to be led by and strive material things over everything else. Why? Because we're pilgrims just passing through. The Greek word here translated citizenship was uh, used as secular sources to talk about a city or a town that had a registry of all the citizens' names on it. Right? Our citizenship is heaven. Citizenship is in heaven. And there's a book written in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And if you and I know Christ as Lord and Savior, your name is written in there because you as a citizen. So that someday, when you get to heaven, your name's going to be in there. And they go, yep, he belongs here. Kimberly belongs here. Clayton belongs here. Janet belongs here. Heather belongs here. Lynette belongs here. You know what I'm saying? They belong here. Your name is written. We are citizens in heaven. We're pilgrims just passing through this earth. Our citizenship is not here. Our life is not this world. It's more than that. It is the kingdom of heaven. So we should not be distracted by the worldly kingdom's things because our citizenship is in heaven and that is where we're headed. And I can't wait to get there. I'm ready. To be there, to not be sick anymore, to not cry anymore, to not have pain anymore, right? To not uh, struggle daily uh, with uh, walking according to the flesh, right? I want to be where I could be like Christ, be in heaven, be in his presence, right? Uh, and, And just spend eternity worshiping God and Jesus, right? Worshiping the Father, Uh, communing with the Holy Spirit, right? You know, being up there with God and and seeing my family and my friends that have gone on before, right? And I I can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, and, And that's what I'm looking forward to. And I hope you are looking forward to it as well because that is where our citizenship is and we are waiting for our Savior to call us home. I'm waiting for Jesus Christ, our Savior, Right to come and get me. Now we know that the Bible teaches us that uh, when people die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when you and I die, our bodies are put in the ground, but our soul uh, is in heaven, right? Until Paul teaches us in the book of Thessalonians that there's coming a day when the uh, 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 the voice of the archangel will announce, right, and and the trumpet will sound. Uh, And uh, the uh, dead in Christ will rise first. So all those bodies are gonna go up and be glorified in an instant, transformed. So they're no longer bound by flesh. They are ready to live uh, in eternity. That glorified body is gonna be reunited with that soul uh, in heaven. And all of us that are alive and remain are gonna be called up in the air, right? When that trumpet sounds, and we're gonna be up in the presence of God, right? And I cannot wait. To hear that trumpet. Cannot wait to go, right? And that's what we're waiting on. We're eagerly waiting for Christ to come and to call his children home. We are close, I believe, to some, we could hear that trumpet at any time, right? So uh, I'm eagerly waiting for our Savior to come. He's going to transform according to verse 21 who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body again. And that instant you and I will be transformed those who are dead their bodies will be transformed and reunited with their soul. Let me tell you something don't worry about it if they were cremated, if they died in a horrible accident, if they, whatever the case may be, God will put it all back together again. He'll make it happen. He'll make sure they have a new glorious body that they're gonna be reunited with in heaven that's the perfect body that will no longer get sick and have pain, that'll live for eternity, right? That won't age. It'll always be the perfect age forever, right? Uh, With no more gray hair, you know what I'm saying? No more wrinkles. We'll be absolutely perfect No more. That's right. No more arthritis. No cancer. No AIDS. No right. No ALS. No nothing. It's all gone under the blood. Right? We will be in heaven with that glorified body. That's one of the great promises and realities of knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. Is that we are going to be transformed, get a glorious body, and and, uh, be in heaven. With our Father, our Savior forever. According to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. And just in case you were wondering if God could do all that, Paul says uh, He could do it according to the one who could do it, He could subdue all things right? So the person that we're relying on, the, the entity that we're relying on, the God that we're relying on to transfer that body, to take all of that whatever's decayed in the ground and call it up into heaven, and all of us that alive and remain and call us up into heaven and put everything and give us a new body. In case you're wondering how it's possible that he can do that, uh, and this is the same God uh, that walked on water and the same God who caused the sun to stop at its place. It's the same God, right, uh, uh, who uh, split the red is the same God who raised the dead in the same God who healed the leper and the same God who caused the blind to see in the same God that caused the lame to walk and the same God who performed miracle after miracle after miracle where he proved that he is not bound by the laws of nature he is not bound by the laws of physics Newton doesn't mean anything to him he can break those laws at any given time he can speak just a word and override everything that we and I see that's in place Uh, and so therefore we serve a God who's so omnipotent that he can do that that in an instant he can do anything and transform your body and my body don't worry that he can't do it we serve a God who can who can resurrect who can change who can transform right so he says in case you Paul tells him in case you think this is far fetched and not possible Just know that you serve a God that has uh, everything submitted to him. And he can operate outside of time and space. Right? And intervene in any given time, at any given situation. So don't worry. That's a trivial thing, to to create a new glorious body and and call us up to heaven. That's easy. To God, he he just, speak a word, it's done. So don't Don't fret. Don't worry. Therefore, my beloved, chapter four, verse one, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. He, he ends this up and he says to them, all of these things, they were words of, uh, to, uh, to challenge them and to direct them and give them uh, a direction but it was also words of encouragement of where their citizenship was, no matter what persecution they were facing, as we talked about earlier in Philippians, whatever persecution they were facing, no matter what everybody else was doing, no matter how everybody else was living their life, uh, in this case, maybe they were thinking, well, I'm missing out because I'm not getting to go to this party and I'm not getting to do this and I don't have that, right? And I'm honest and because I'm honest, I don't have that much money, right? And because I'm honest, I don't have this stuff. And look at all these people, they don't love you yet they're prospering right or these people who say they love you but they're still sinning and living in a way contrary to what God's word is you know what I'm saying we've all been guilty of asking that question and Paul is saying don't worry about them don't look at them your citizenship is in heaven your hope is in the Lord your hope is in heaven yeah they may have jewels and they may have uh, big houses now but one day you and I are going to walk on streets of gold right The Bible says a new Jerusalem is going to have a brand new jewel in every single gate, right? The gate is going to be a jewel. And the streets are going to be of gold. And Jesus Christ is going to be the light. There won't need to be a sun or a moon, but he will be the light that lights up that city, right? You'll have your own mansion. You know what I'm saying? you never hunger again. you never thirst again. That's where our citizenship is. So who cares what the world has? Who cares what somebody else has? You're waiting for what God has for you. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather get and take what God has for me than what the world has any day of the week. Because what the world has will decay and be destroyed and wiped away. The Bible says in Peter that there's coming a time when the heavens and the earth and all the universe is going to be burned with fire and destroyed and God's going to build something new. So you know what? That means that house. That means that gold. That means that money. That means all of those things that we put so much uh, emphasis on in this world. It's going to be burned away in an instant and all that we're going to have left. And I say that all in quote, is my God and my Savior and the promises that he made for me that when I go to prepare a place for you, know this, that I will return and I'm gonna come get you and you're gonna live with me forever. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. You can keep your junk world. Let me have Jesus. Yes. Thank you. Hallelujah. My citizenship is in heaven. So don't be discouraged by what the world has and how they seem to be uh, progressing or blessed. The Bible says the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. The sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Bible says that the the wheat, uh, the tares grow with the wheat and there's goats with the sheep. But God's got it all worked out and someday all that goat and all those tares are going to be cut away. And just the righteous are going to be left behind. Right? So I'm excited I'm not worried about others. I'm not worried about how they appear to be blessed, right? I heard a comedian tell a joke one, one time. He was talking about how poor he was. And he said, God, it just don't make sense. Look at Michael Jackson. He has more money uh, than you do, right? <laughs> this was a long time ago. But, you know, how wealthy he is. And this, he couldn't even put gas in his car, right? He was joking, of course. But, you know, we probably really thought that. Right? Uh, I'm sure each of you have had a time in your life where you've struggled and you said, my goodness, why does it seem so easy for them and so hard for me? I'm a Christian. Right? Uh, But the truth is, is that our fulfillment and our joy isn't on earth. It's in heaven. Yes. Right? Our joy is in Christ. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the lost for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia 224. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.